Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. The premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West what better time to fire up the podcast once again and get things going back in the studio? I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 I am joined this week by Miguel Sanchez. Miguel, good to have you back, mate. Yeah, good to be back. Um, yeah, getting exciting. Yeah, sort of a bit dry and boring during uh, cricket season, but yeah, it's great to have footy back. Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, news on, on the board, or if you're familiar with the board, I'm not exactly the biggest cricket fan. There's been plenty of other good sports going on in the meantime, but welcoming back Keys. Keys, there's nothing quite like AFL footy, is there? No, no. We're looking forward to it. Stop the count at 540, and now we start counting down from 169. That's it. That is it. Yeah, look, if you're interested in our opinion on the Willie Rioli announcement from earlier on in the week, we've got a dedicated special bonus episode of the pod, a little short one there also in this podcast feed, wherever you found that. So we'll go through all the Willie Rioli news there. Obviously a massive, massive bit of news for the West Coast Eagles season and for the West Coast Eagles fans as well. But gents, this week on the show, basically what we're going to run through is an off-season recap or an update of sorts. If you haven't watched footy since the Eagles last kicked the ball and you've just, you know, you've been asleep for the last six months, you haven't clicked on an article, you haven't turned the radio on, you don't want a bar of footy media in the off-season, well... Basically, today, we're going to get you caught up with everything you need to know. So we're running through list changes. We're running through a few rule changes as well. There's a couple of staff changes at the Eagles. We've got a new jumper provider. We're going through all the stuff. Everything you need to know, all your essentials for round one. Stay tuned to here. It's coming up very shortly. But first, of course, a few plugs off the top. You can always follow us on Twitter at WCEBFpod. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Spotify. We're on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts. Basically, wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll be able to find us. Jump onto Twitter, jump onto Big Footy or Facebook, say g'day. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And uh, if you're on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, give us a review as well. Gents, it's been a massive off-season. Let's turn our attention to the nitty-gritty of it. We'll dive right in and we'll do that right now. Guys, we've seen a lot of changes this off-season from the Eagles and indeed around the AFL because there's been... A lot of changes at an administrative level, which have meant smaller list sizes. There's less money for salary caps, for coaches, and you know, all in all, the footy programs around the league have shrunk a little bit. And with that, there have unfortunately been a few favourite faces or you know, fan favourites having to uh, to be delisted, to retire, and, and in other ways, just not represent the Eagles going forward. So. Keys, I think the best way we'll tackle this one, we're going to go through all the ins and all the outs throughout the off-season, bring you up to speed with the current list. Let's start with the outs. Uh, and, and Keys, let's start with, I think, the biggest one, certainly one of the biggest sources of conversation, which was Lewis Jetta being delisted. He's 31 at the moment. 
He played 75 games for the club. He managed six games last season, but obviously a great clubman, uh, an inspirational leader, a real fan favourite as well. So that was a tough decision. In your mind, Keys, was it the right one? Really hard because he's, he's probably someone, he didn't have a great year in 2020. And, you know, there's some talk, which I don't know the specifics of, that maybe he and Simpson had a falling out of sorts in the first hub or something like that. I don't quite know. But he was starting to get old man legs and things like that. I think he was he was a clear victim, I think, of the reduced salary cap and the reduced list. I think he was probably just one guy that we just couldn't quite afford to carry. And in the list where we've got a number of half-back types with the likes of Cole, Nelson, Duggan, um, we brought Bring with it, with it in, which we'll get well. to, um, Rotham, you, you know, there's a few about. So... It was he played in an area where we did at least have some decent depth in. So, and there was probably no guarantee that his body would hold up in another suit for another year. And I think it was the one that, you know, he was the one I was probably saddest to see go because I think he probably could have gone on, perhaps wanted to go on. I mean, he's going to play with Swans this year, I think, uh, Swan Districts, that is. So, yeah, probably a pretty tough call. And I think he was probably the victim of the um, the reduced list size. We'll move on to another defender on the list. And you mentioned Jetta, very sad to see him go. This this next one, I was really, really sad to see go. Personal favourite, but also because Will Schofield was just on the cusp of 200 games. He's a guy, Miguel, that the club picked in 2006. Pick 50, that's a fair return on investment. We got a flag with him, but he only managed the four games last year. And it's you know his, his role's changed over the years from rebounding back flanker. Now he's a bit more of a traditional lockdown key position defender. Thirty two years of age coming into season twenty twenty one. Was it the right time to say goodbye to Will Schofield? Uh, yeah. Apart from the fact that it would have been nice to get him to two hundred games, and he, he probably should have been picked a bit more in twenty twenty to get him there. To be honest, um, but yeah, he was he was touch and go to go around again uh, the end of twenty nineteen. Um, signed on for one year, probably on the understanding that it, he was there as as depth. Um, and then you know, Harry Edwards has come on in leaps and bounds and made his debut last year, and that was probably the death knell for Scoey. So, yeah, sad to see him go along with Jetta. And the way that both of those were handled leaves a little bit of a sour taste in, uh, in the mouth. Neither of them seemed very keen at all to go. Both of them, I think, are yeah, victims of uh, of the reduced list sizes and also the strength of our defensive unit and the younger guys coming through. So um, if they played, it was going to, they were going to play at the expense of you know, guys like Rotham and, and Edwards and uh, uh, even maybe someone like Dan Foley if he comes on a bit. So yeah, it's Mike uh, Foley. yeah, who's Dan Foley? Who's <laughs> <laughs> Dan Foley? Hang on a minute, I'm finding this out. Who's Dan Foley? There you go. Dan Foley is a former Australian rules footballer who played with Richmond in the VFL. Uh, okay. He's 60 Distant. years of age, so probably not in the right profile at the moment for the list. Yeah, but he's, he's probably uh, less likely Yeah, less likely to get picked than uh, either Schofield or Jenner in our back line, but still. Well, if, he, if he's 60, Geelong might be looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> His father, Brian, won the Sandover medal in 1959. So I think, he is, I think he's a distant relation. I remember reading that. Anyway. Uh, poor on, old Luke no, Foley. I, no, can't, I can't pick him out of a line. Hang on. Luke Enough Foley. Now, I can't even get his name. Luke Foley news is not relevant yet. We're still talking about Dan Foley. In 2016, he and his wife, Carlene, were competing contestants on the Australian reality TV series, The Block. 
Didn't expect that one, Miguel. Avid block viewer, are you? Uh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, never <laughs> miss an episode of uh, of the the clock. What's it called? Yeah. So, what were we talking about? Scoey and Jetta. Um, I think we were talking about the footy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Bad. Uh, sorry to see both of them go. Um, both of them be running around in the waffle, which will be nice to see. And uh, and Scoey's got a fair bit of media commitments at the moment. But I, I think ultimately the the takeaway from that is that uh, we get to see some of the some more of the youth coming through and. Uh, now, hopefully we see more than one quarter out of Harry Edwards this year. Yeah. I think there's just quickly, I think the Schofield bomb was probably handled a bit better in that. I think Schofield actually retired and yeah. said, look, I'm, I'm done. And I think he saw the writing on the wall. I think with the unfortunate thing with Jeddah, it was one I, it, it sort of dragged on a bit and it was only really at the very end where they said, oh, no, he's not going to get a new contract. Um, I think they perhaps could have tapped him on the shoulder a bit sooner. Yeah, um, he could have given a retirement speech at the BNF or something. That would have been. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think they sort of dealt with Schofield reasonably. And I think, you know, if we're going into this season, I don't think you could see Schofield getting many games at all. Whereas, you know, Jether, I, I think you perhaps could have seen him playing some games. So that's why. Yeah, you know, I think Schofield. I think his that that was his last year. Even though, as you said, he perhaps could have played some more games in 2020 than he ultimately did. But I think. I don't think the hubs helped either of those two players, to be honest. Keys, we'll keep it with you on this one. We've just talked about some guys who are going to move on and play some waffle. Tom Hickey is staying in the AFL system because we have traded him to Sydney. Uh, a whole bunch of picks both ways, but I do like that we got a future second rounder out of it. 29 years of age, he managed three games last season for the Eagles. The ruck room is pretty stacked for the Eagles. So what do you make of the decision to move on Tom Hickey? Yeah, I think that was a good decision. I think it was a good decision for player and club. Tom Hickey was only ever insurance for Nat Nui. Um, with Nat Nui playing most of the games, there was not much game time for, for Hickey. And I think in his time at West Coast, when he played as a backup ruck, he, he struggled. When he led the ruck, I think he was okay. He'll get that opportunity at Sydney and he wouldn't over here. So, you know, we managed to get a decent trade for him. He's got a a bit more secure future over at Sydney and the opportunity to probably play a bit more game time than he would have over here. And it allows us to bring on someone like Bailey Williams to develop under Nick for the next you know, year or two. So that was, that was a good bit all around and it sort of just confirms our sort of good relationship with Sydney and sending our second Ooh. string rucks over to them. <laughs> just yeah, CB, Sinclair... Jason Ball. Tom Hickey, come on down. Tom Hickey now, yeah. The thing the thing with Hickey going out is that, well, firstly, I think it, it probably saved Vardy's career because I don't think there was room for both of them on the list this year with the reduced list sizes. I reckon one of them would have gone and it would have been Vardy if Hickey had, stay, had been going to stay. Um, yep. But it, it leaves us pretty thin uh, in that department now and we saw that uh, in the first practice game when Vardy probably lowered his colours to Lloyd Meek, who was on debut. Um, so if Nick Nat doesn't play this season, games this season, then um, it's either Vardy or, or Williams that are going to come in and, and have to carry the ruck. So yeah, that's a bit of a concern. But I suppose we're in the same boat as a lot of teams in that regard that can't really rely on the second ruck to do much. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's the problem with you know, going with the release that You can't afford to be carrying two genuine number one ruckmen. And yeah. I think you, go, you go around the league and you look at every side, I mean, if Grundy goes down for Collingwood, who have they got? Yeah, exactly. If goes down for Melbourne, who have they got? You know, you go, you go right through the list. There's not too many clubs running around where you say they've got a 
genuine ruckman as as a backup if their first one goes down. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a risk that you you take, and yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah. The three guys we've touched on there are probably the three biggest in terms of contribution to the club. Uh, there's a couple of guys now who are you know, younger guys or, or rookie-listed guys and a few nice stories, a few pretty disappointing stories in there as well. And, and Miguel, I think we'll start with, uh, not to lower the tone, but we'll start with one of those pretty tough stories. And it, it is a tough industry footy because we've delisted Frankie Watson, two games for the Eagles, and he showed a lot of promise as an academy kid, but... A couple of injuries and then and then the big injury last year, which ruled him out. No games last season. Uh, 25 years of age. Was it time to move him along? And how do you feel about the whole process in general? Uh, yeah, he's probably the most disappointing loss, I think, for me. The, the other guys we've talked about were sort of uh, had full careers. But, yeah, he's, he's only played two AFL games. His, uh, his knee injury last year it came, I think, at a, a really a terrible time for him, obviously, if there's a good time to have a knee injury. But, yeah, it's uh, disappointing. I just hope that um, he can go back to Claremont this year and, and do an Alec Waterman and um, get a lifeline somewhere because, yeah, he did. He looked good um, at Waffle level and the little glimpses we saw of him at AFL level. And um, if he hasn't lost any of his uh, his speed and agility, then he might have. He should still have something to offer at AFL level. Okay, he's a guy who did stand out at Waffle level and then got a shot, Nick Reid. Uh, he was brought on last year late as sort of like a supplementary pick and he did manage to crack into the side, which, you know, candidly, I didn't think he would, but three games last year for the Eagles, 25 years of age though and, and sort of just a bit of a stopgap option, I think. Uh, what, what was your take on deciding to not renew Nick Reid's contract? Yeah, I, I think as far as decisions to delist people would never be easy. I don't know that that's one that would have been all that. If there's an easy decision, that one would have been it. Yeah, he got three games. He didn't show a hell of a lot. He was, you know, probably the 46th, 47th best player on their list. So no real surprise, you know. I think he played three more games than the most. He's had a crack. I don't like when people turn around and say so-and-so's a crab or a spud or whatever like that. You know, he was probably a good footballer, but probably not quite. Not really AFL standard. He got a chance, he kicked a goal, you know, and I think he's gone back to Ammo's soaking up a footy with his mates and he'll probably go back doing school teaching, which I think is that's what his career was beforehand. And, you know, he can go back and say, I played AFL and run around in the Ammo's and give the other guys out there, most of them shit, and say, well, you didn't even make it, so I'm better than you. Good story, but it was probably not one that was worth persevering with. Hamish Brayshaw will move on to, 23 years of age. He debuted last season, managed the one game for the Eagles. Miguel, selected in the 2017 National Draft, so he's been with the Eagles for a while, finally got back into the side uh, after he was rookie-listed last season. So we saw a debut from him. He was a guy a lot of fans actually wanted to see as we chase you know, the next sort of generation of midfielders trying to come through and, and boost the club's list a little bit. But we've called time on, on the Hamish Brayshaw AFL experience. I think he's going to stick around with the Waffle Club, though. What did you make of all of that? Yeah, he's apparently going to be the, the Beagles captain, um, so replacing uh, Fraser McInnes, I suppose, in that role. And that's sort of his um, his ceiling, I think. He's, you know, he's he's a great team man. He's very popular around the club from from everything I hear. But yeah, I don't didn't seem like he had an AFL future. Just the speed as much as anything. He just he's a bit too slow to be an AFL midfielder and probably can't play anywhere else. But uh, yeah, he'll certainly be a very important player, I think, for the Beagles, captain and uh, uh, able to do some of the heavy lifting in the lifting in the midfield. So. 
uh, looking forward to seeing him in that role and, and looking forward to seeing him still around the club. Uh, final two that we got rid of, and it's pretty hard to dive into the analysis on these ones because neither got their debut. They were new kids in last year. Mitch O'Neill uh, from last year's rookie draft, highly rated out of Tasmania, but never quite cracked into the side. And then Anthony Tracy as well, another rookie pick. And this was one that people were very excited about, Keys, uh, 24 years old, more of a mature age recruit, showed flashes and, and people were clamoring for him to get a debut just not the most polished player that we've ever seen perhaps when we did see him in pre-season. So those two guys, Keys, uh, we're all done with them at the moment. Yeah, I, I saw Tracy in the pre-season. I thought he showed a little bit. But I think, and Mitch O'Neill, he came across bizarrely. I don't remember ever seeing a, interview, a club interview with him or everything like that. Pretty quiet. Picked up a back injury, I think, somewhere along the line. And I think they were two guys that, for whatever reason, never adapted to AFL, bit of a pity for both of them in that it was just a shit year. They just never really got a proper a proper go at it. You know, it's hard to find for someone like it's hard to find form when you're playing a scrimmage every second or third week and trying to find a way into the side just didn't work out. And I think Mitch O'Neill spent most of the time in Tasmania, I think, because he was injured and they just sent him back and he never got to come come back across. So see how they go. You know. I think Mitch O'Neill's playing for one of the South Australian clubs this year in the, the local league there. He might come on. He, he had a bit of ability, but, yeah, there was not much we can say about either one of those two because never really got to see much of them. Again, you know, if we have normal list sizes, we might have sort of decided to carry one of those for another year, but there's there's just not the, the space there for that to happen. So good luck to them as they sort of forge ahead and try and get their name up for another crack later on down the track with someone else. Gents, let's turn our attention to the future. Let's turn our attention to the incoming Eagles. And there were two big player acquisitions that we had before we even got to the draft. Miguel, we'll start with Alex Witherden. I think he's the biggest one that we've added for the off-season. Certainly the one that most Eagles fans seem most excited by. 22 years of age, 59 games in his career, but he managed just six last year. This is a guy that, for his career, he's averaging more than 20 disposals a game. He's a good user of the footy. I, he just sort of fell out of favour with the Lions, I suppose. But Witherden and pick 86 for pick 58 and a 2021 third rounder. The draft capital that's changing hands, pretty irrelevant. Basically, we've brought in a guy in Alex Witherden who could be groomed as our next good user of the footy off the halfback line. Yeah, he seems to have been brought in um, with the likely uh, end of Shannon Hearn's career in mind, as well as uh, as Jetta's end of Jetta's career. It was a bit of a boon for the club to get someone with no link to WA. We don't do that too often, although when we do, it seems to be someone from Brisbane. Yeah, he's going to have to, I think of the two guys we got, I think he's the one that's going to have to fight for his spot a bit more. I think it'll be easier for Zach Langdon in the forward line to get picked because there's some gaps there. But uh, every time I do try and do our best 22 for this year, I, there's eight guys trying to get into the back line uh, for seven spots. And that's not counting Duggan, who seems to be going uh, back into the midfield. Uh, but with it and sort of, I think he and uh, Nelson and Cole and Rotham, uh, between the four of them, uh, probably fighting for three spots. So, um, yeah, he, he's got a battle ahead of him. And the knock on him... I, can't say I saw too much of him at Brisbane, but the knock on him was um, his speed, I think, and his maybe his defensive efforts. And so that's something that we'll have to be look at, looked at. But he will, I think, 
provide a point of difference with his kicking and, and hopefully a bit of uh, creativity out coming out of defence because uh, with Jeddah gone, I think we're, we're really going to be missing that and we're going to be a bit one-dimensional coming out of the back line. Yeah, hopefully that's something he can add. Keys, it's a guy that, as Miguel says, he's got a pretty tough path to playing time in the immediate future. But you look at him, he's, he's 22 years old, 22 and a half years old, so he'll be 22 for the entirety of the season. You look at Cole's 23, Duggan's 24, uh, Jackson Nelson's going to be 25 probably by the time the season starts. I don't have his birth date in front of me, but you know he's 24 and, and a fair bit there. So he is the youngest guy in that group, and he's younger than most of the guys that are close to our best 22. Is this a pick for the future? Is this a pick that you actually see this guy being a, a bit of a big deal for the program? Because he's on a two-year contract. He doesn't have too long to prove it. Yeah, I think he'll want to be playing games this year. I think he, I think part of that's why he came across because he, for whatever reason, he fell out of favour of Brisbane. Maybe he got, you know, his first two years, he maybe got a little bit too comfortable with himself and didn't put the work in. So um, maybe it's a bit of a kick up at the bum and he, he, he needs to work. I think he's, it's hard because there's, there's a few guys similar to him and the sort of talk was he's a Hearn replacement, which with Hearn still there, it's sort of, Kind of hard to replace a guy that's still there, but you know injuries are a, a reality in football. So there'll be times where some of those guys are unavailable. So he'll get his go, and it's up to him to take his chance when they come. And and and, and the same goes for the likes of Nelson Cole and Rotham, who are thereabouts, but they haven't completely established themselves in the twenty-two. So those guys, we you know when they're all fit, they'll be fighting for you know two or three spots between them, uh, and we'll just see how we go. I mean, he's not a he's not a walk-up start, but you probably that's a good thing. You know, you want guys having to earn their spot. And the other thing is, you know, father time catches up with people quite quickly and particularly Eagles players. And, you know, I don't want to speak ill of the guy, but, you know, Hearn, sometimes the decline can come quite rapidly. And I, I hope if, if, and that's a mighty big if, but if Hearn starts to tail off, I, I hope we don't just keep playing him because it's Shannon Hearn. But if he's, if his performances drop off, well, then I hope that they'll say, well, look, we need a better fit. But we'll, we'll wait and see. At least I think the one area on the ground where we've got good coverage is our, you know, the back six or seven. We've got probably 10, maybe 11 guys on the list that could quite easily lay claim to a spot in the back seven. So, you know, that's a good problem to have for the coaching staff. Miguel, the other big inclusion from another club, the other big recruit, Zach Langdon. Uh, he's played 31 games. He played seven last season, 25 years of age. A WA boy, so there you go. There's one for you. 21 goals in 21 games in 2018. But, uh, yeah, fell out of favour again a little bit, enough for the Giants to move him on. He comes home, and uh, he's going to try and emulate the success at the Eagles that a few other Dampier products have had. Yeah, one in particular, um, who's our current uh, games record holder for a little bit longer, at least. For long. Yeah. He's, uh, Langdon's going to be really important, I think. Um, we talked about, rather than having to fight for his spot, I think Langdon uh, is an automatic selection, if he's fit at the moment, uh, until we until Rioli comes back at the end of uh, the year. Jones boy has him covered. Who's that, sorry? Jonesy. Jonesy. Oh, no. There's room for both of them. No, there's room for both of them. I'm just going to play a full um, team of small forwards. Every, get Nick right, Reid back. I'm get him back. I just put my player sponsor hat on, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, I, I'm, I'm very bullish on uh, on Jones as well, and I think he's he's had a really good preseason. Sorry, going off topic. Um, but, yeah, that small forward area, which we talked about with Nick Reid and Tracy, is one that we uh, 
we really struggled to fill last year uh, and, you know, we're not getting Rioli or Venables back until much later in the year, uh, at least. Um, and you know, we saw in the final that uh, Archie, Petrocelli and Ainsworth sort of played as, as forwards, high half forwards, and uh, that is really not a winning combination. So, yeah, both Langdon and Jones I'd have ahead of all of those three uh, as uh, as small forwards or high half forwards. So, um, yeah, he should be in for round one if he's fit. He's, yeah, he's not a huge goal kicker, but I think his endurance and his forward pressure are going to be really valuable assets for us this year. And Jones as well, uh, who seems to have worked on his endurance a lot and uh, and is pushing into the midfield in some of the preseason games. So, yeah, excited for both of those guys. Uh, Langdon, unfortunately, has got the... Uh, He's been given the Whipping Boys number seven, so he'll uh, he'll instantly become a crowd target. There is one and only one curse number at West Coast Eagles. It is the number 22. It is the number that I, as a child, decided to stick on my back for some reason. I, uh, Not a child, I was old enough to know better. I liked Jamie Graham for some unknown reason as a footballer and uh, slapped his number on my back and then he promptly disappeared, missed a grand final, snapped his leg. We've had Ryan Neats come and go since then. I don't think we've had a good 22 uh, for a long time, so... No, don't worry about it. Langdon will be fine. 22 the off the jersey. top of my head, I think, has had the most representatives and none of them have played 100 games. No, I it's think, the drummer. I think David time. Hines is, uh, yeah. <laughs> every every year a new, uh, a new low. Keys, Zach Langdon, we talked about just there, we talked about Witherden as a potential Hearn replacement. Uh, Zach Langdon in the Jamie Cripps role in, in years future, is this sort of a role you can see both of them having success with at the same time? Is it sort of a like-for-like like where you only think one of them can go at a time? How do you think Langdon's going to fit into the forward line this year? Yeah, it's uh, we do need that small running tight. We need um, we need someone who provide defensive pressure. I think that was somewhere where we we struggled a bit last year. It should put pressure on Cripps. I see him as being a, a similar sort of player to Cripps. And we've also got Jake Waterman, who's was a little bit taller and a bit Bit more of a marking play. He's not. He's not dissimilar either to those guys. So yeah, the small forward spot. It's a. It's a curious one because we struggled with it. But if we can get guys in form, we've actually got the guys there. But the um the problem we had last year is either all, they're either all injured or or just completely shit form. I mean we've got even discounting Rioli and Venables, but we've got Petricelli, Cripps, now Langdon, Jones. Cameron. Cameron is the one I was trying to think of. We've got the guys there, but we just need a couple of them to step up. You know, with Langdon, if he can step up, and there's no reason why he can't get games. I, he's, I probably haven't seen enough of him at GWS to know, to get a real good feel of, of what he's like. He's a pretty solid unit, which is something that kind of unusual for the list. A lot of our guys aren't sort of bulked up the way the way he is, so it's a good, strong body to have. You know, it's quick. So we, we just need someone to put some defensive pressure on. And if he can do that and we get one or two others to do similar, well, then maybe we can get our forward line back on track a little bit from from what it was last year with, uh, with our smalls. So, again, there's a bit of competition there with the prospect of uh, Rioli being available late in the year. Some of those guys are going to have to, to step up and improve themselves because there's someone going to come back in that, will take their spot in the heartbeat. So those were the two additions from outside the club uh, that were already in the AFL system. Miguel, we've had a couple of kids come through in the draft as well. 
given the Tim Kelly trade from a few years ago, we didn't have a massive draft hand to deal anyway, but we've come away with Luke Edwards with pick 52, Isaiah Winder with pick 57, and then Zane True in the rookie draft. Uh, Edwards, pretty solid rebounding defender. This was one that the big footy board weren't enamored with entirely, but, you know, good solid type. Uh, Winder or Winder, I'm not even sure how to say his surname, but I tell you what, I like his highlights because he is quick as he smashed the WA Combine completely to bits. Fastest guy there. He's got the biggest jump there. And, uh, yeah, really exciting type from Peel Thunder. And then Zane True from Swan Districts. Bit of an in-and-under midfielder, an extractor type. He slipped a lot from the mock drafts. Is there any one of those guys that you think has a path to playing footy this year? And which one excites you the most long-term? Winder, Winder. Uh, as you said, probably the most exciting, um, definitely the most exciting to watch. Zane True, who I keep calling Luke True uh, in another uh, throw, <laughs> right. another throwback no. to completely forgotten footballers um, from before your guys' time. Um, Luke True. I thought he was going to be another reality star. I assumed he was on The Bachelor, but no, he is. Well, he, uh, he might become a reality star because he's apparently gone off the rails a bit, uh, but he was, he was on the I'm going to close that tab. Traded That's... back to the Bulldogs for uh, Ilya Grigic and uh, yeah. Yeah, spent time on three AFL clubs list, never played a game, and uh, yeah, has run into a bit of uh, Ben Sharp style trouble. In, uh... Don't Google him. Let's anyway. just, uh, yeah. So the draft, hey? Yeah, so Zane True <laughs> uh, from Swan Districts uh, looks like probably the most ready made of the, the three draftees that we've brought in. Um, slipped a lot, uh, had um, some unflattering things said about him by Peter Sumich, which might have caused him to slip a bit. But, yeah, hopefully uh, get him in the club, get him a, a, a good mentor, one of the senior guys, and, uh, yeah, he could be one that, that comes in and, uh, and plays a role in our midfield. We've, uh, we've sort of been looking for the next sort of young midfielder to come in and press his case, and uh, Xavier O'Neill's probably the closest we've got at the moment. But, yeah, True could be another one. I'm ready to get hurt again. I'm ready to get my hopes up. Keys, any of these guys going to crack the squad this year in a meaningful way or any of these guys really pushing their case for 2022 that you like? What would you make of this draft class? Look, I, I think I didn't spend much time looking at the draft this year given the, the shit picks we had, but I, I think the consensus from people on their board that, no, I think we've done quite well, if not very well, with the picks that we did have. I think of the three, the one who's most exciting of his ceiling is perhaps Winder. You know, he looks very good. And I I think if I had to put bets on which of the three might debut this year, I'd probably be putting my money on him simply because they put him in that small forward, half-forward flank type role. That's what he's going to be looking at. And as we touched on, it's an area that needed improvement. So, you know, there's a possibility he could sneak in there if he puts his head down and maybe there's an injury or two. I think the one most likely to make it seems to be true. Some really good raps on him in terms of being a, an in-and-under ball winner, which is something that we we don't really have. Given he's only 18, I mean, it's pretty hard to expect that he's going to get have much impact, if any, this year. But a year or two in the system, uh, you know, down the track, um, I think he was he was probably a pretty good acquisition. And if we... If he puts his head down through the waffle, there's a chance that he, you, know, you might see him sometime during the course of this year. But you know, to expect him to have a meaningful impact is probably a little bit optimistic. But you know, you draft for the future, and I think we we did pretty well with the three kids that we got um, with the picks we had. Yeah, I think they they did fairly well with those three. So those are the new faces at the club. There were a couple guys that they've 
made the decision to retain though guys that were out of contract or got delisted and re-rookied all that sort of stuff guys we might go around the table quickly and just go you know thumbs up or thumbs down on the decision to retain these players first up Harry Edwards he got elevated off the rookie list into the senior list uh as Miguel touched on he played a quarter of AFL footy last year in his debut but uh thumbs up from me on this one a really exciting key back prospect yeah, big big thumbs up. Not sure that we needed to promote him, but there doesn't seem to be much difference between the senior list and the rookie list at the moment. So, yeah, big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Got the future. Speaking of no key difference between being a veteran or being a senior list, being a rookie, we've got the 29-year-old Mark Hutchings. He's played 116 times for the Eagles. He is now a feature of our rookie list. Uh, decent depth, but I don't, you know, it's it's hardly the most exciting thing in the world. Probably a thumbs up, but yeah, not not exactly sky high on this one, Miguel. Yeah, I'm fine keeping him on the list. Uh, he's probably now midfield depth, but we don't have a hell of a lot of that. So yeah, uh, if he can get fit again, because he uh, missed, I think, the end of last year, and then um, he's been struggling with some sort of knee injury at the start of this year. Uh, if he gets fit again, he's good uh, waffle midfield depth and, you know, and reserve depth, but yeah, uh, his days of being best 22 are gone. He could contribute when he was up and about, but a bit meh for me. I think at the end of the day, there might have been between him and Jetta for a spot in the list, and Arch got the nod because he plays in an area where we've got much depth. That probably saved his bacon. I can't see him playing beyond this year, but he's a premiership player, so all the best to him, and I hope he gets over his injury so he can contribute because... There might come a point this season where we need some experience in the midfield. Uh, Nathan Vardy did not manage a game last season. Also suffered a pretty significant injury playing for the Beagles, but they've signed him on for another year. It's a thumbs up for me just because we moved Hickey on. I don't mind another senior body in that ruck room, but I would really, really like the kids now to uh, to sort of kick on and, and cement their spot above Vardy. Yeah, thumbs yeah. up for me um, for all the reasons you said. I think he's... Uh... He survived because Hickey went. He should be behind, I think, a fit Bailey Williams uh, for that role as either um, Nick Nat's backup when he's playing or leading the ruck in, in Nick Nat's absence. But, yeah, certainly some uh, some good depth to have because the only other guy we've got there is uh, Callum Jamison, who still seems to be built like a rake. I can imagine Vardy sitting around at Tom Hickey's place come trade time saying, sign it, sign it, sign it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pulling up yeah. realestate.com and showing him all the great places yeah. in Sydney you could be living yeah. in. Oh, look, it's I, so I, cheap as well. You can get a cardboard box with 900 grand a week. Look at that. Yeah. How good would that yeah. be? Um, I say this in the nicest possible way, but I hope I don't see Vardy play a game for us this year, simply because if he doesn't, that means either Nat Nui's not injured and or Bailey Williams is um, cementing his spot as a number two. So, love your Vards, love that mark in the grand final. But I don't want to see you this year in the AFL. You can play as lead ruck for the Beagles all year. So, here's a guy that's an interesting one. He's another one of these older rookies, 27 years of age. Brendan Archie played 16 games for the Eagles last year. And it speaks to what we were saying before, that the small fours were always injured. We could never quite get a full half-flanker, you know. We'd never get the pockets and the half-flankers all healthy at the same time. But... 16 games from Archie last season. We've re-rookied him. The concept of having him as depth is a thumbs up. Similar conversation to what you've just said there, Keys. I don't want to see him this year. I definitely don't want to see him 16 times. But as depth, I suppose that's probably a thumbs up. A pretty uninspiring one, though. Yeah, the, the concept of Archie has been far greater than the reality. 
yeah, for whatever reason, I, he doesn't ever quite seem to play as well as what I think he's capable of. But after seven or eight years in the AFL system, I think what he's capable of is what he's shown us. And it's handy, but that's not quite there. And, you know, if you you run the theory that the Premiership side's decided by its best by its bottom six rather than its top six, I don't know if uh, Cheese in a bottom six in a when when not a Premiership side. I think other it's up to the other guys to move him out of the side, but we need the other guys to move him out of the side. Yeah, really astute move by him. I think um, reinventing himself as a forward ahead of last year when it turned out that we had. Um, just about all our forwards unavailable because that has probably saved his career. But yeah, he would be one of the ones that I would that would be first out of the team. I think for for Langdon and Jones when they come back in, and um, yeah, a good depth, good waffle depth. But yeah, if uh, if he plays more than a handful of games this year, I don't think we're going to be travelling too well. All right, you mentioned Jones there, Jermaine Jones. We've kept him on. That's a big thumbs up from me. Looked pretty interesting yep. in the couple of games that he showed up in and, and did do the hammy. Couldn't quite get back in time. But, yeah, thumbs up from me, Miguel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really bullish on him. And I'm not his sponsor. <laughs> Key's his sponsor. Oh, it's a thumbs up. I'm yeah, yeah big, big thumbs up. I like that we put him on last year when we did. It was a shame he did his hammy. Looks like he's got himself nicely fit over this pre-season. Showing a bit in the, in the scrimmage games with a bit of a stint in the midfield. There's a fair bit to like about him. and It's been a while since we've had a a really good win off the rookie list. I think he could be it. There's a lot to like about him. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish for him this this season. I think he can be a factor that improves the 22 from last year if he can um, stay on the park. Right, the last one is Venables, which is... I mean, I know I make the rules here, but I, it's hard to do a thumbs up, thumbs down on this one because it's basically a question of if Dan Venables plays, I'm sure we're all pretty solidly thumbs up. The other thing is he has, you know, he's, he's starting to take a list spot of somebody else. So he's got the potential to take a list spot in a season with reduced list sizes and all of this. But for me, we've had some train-ons in the last couple of weeks that don't seem to be going anywhere. You know, last year we had Reed, we had Jones, we kept him on. The guys in this season, we're seemingly saying, nah, we'll, we'll be right, mate. So is that a good sign for Dan Venables, Miguel? I hope so. Yeah, that was my first thought when um, when they announced that they weren't going to be giving any of those guys contracts, was that uh, that's a good sign that they think Venables will actually play some footy this year, which would be fantastic. It's been uh, the longest uh, layoff from concussion, I think, that, that we've ever had, that anyone's ever had just about. But yeah, hopefully that means that medically he's uh, he's getting better and better and they actually expect him to... Uh, to line up at some point this year. Uh, and, yeah, if you can do that and, and get back, then, yeah, hopefully he's getting um, some good medical advice and uh, and it's not too much of a risk to his future that he, uh, that he continues to try to get back because that's the worry with this uh, with any of this concussion stuff that, um, you know, if he gets another one, it could be catastrophic for him. So, yeah, hopefully he's, uh, he's across all those risks. But assuming that's the case, then, yeah, I'm looking... Uh, Looking, almost as much as I'm looking forward to seeing Rioli come back and play this year, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Venables back on the park. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Venables fan. You know, I, I think you know people bemoan our lack of midfield depth, and they sort of forget that during the 2019 season we lost two guys that showed at least the possibility of moving into the midfield and, and making an impact um, for wildly different reasons, but. You know, you go down the alternative universe and 
Venables doesn't get knocked out and really doesn't have a brain fart. Those two guys playing all of last year and into this season, our list looks in a in a fair bit different space. I'm glad we kept Venables on, even if at the time when we, we redrafted him as a rookie, I thought it was more compassion than, than any real thought that he might play again. The noise the noises out of pre-season is that he's going pretty well. You know, I hold out hope that he, he'll come back, but you just hope that if he does, you know, he's clear and he doesn't he doesn't get another head knock because nobody nobody wants to see that and another game of footy isn't worth a lifetime of ongoing concussion symptoms as we've seen with some other guys that have come out of the AFL in, in, in times gone past that you know, their lives have been irreparably damaged. No one wants to see that for that guy. Yeah, so I hope he makes it. Um, he can. Get, I hope he gets over his concussion first, so that's the most important thing. And if we see him again for the Eagles that um, and carve out, he's still got, he's still only young. He's 21, 22, something like that. So he's still got, you know, seven, eight, maybe 10 years of footy in front of him if he um, gets over his concussion. So fingers crossed. So it's a thumbs up for me, even if, even if he doesn't play a game this year, it was a thumbs up because I just think we've done the right thing by him. Moving away from the playing list and onto the coaching and staff side of things, a couple of changes. And as I've said up top, you know, a big reshuffle in the way the AFL uh, have allocated the salary cap this year. So we've seen Miguel, the coaching room, reshuffled and also shrunk. Jamie Graham is sticking around despite having a chat with North Melbourne about their head coaching gig. And we've seen uh, Luke Webster now taking the forwards. Adrian Hickmont has moved into an expanded role, taking on the mids. Jamie Graham will look after the back. We've got Kyle Horsley on as a development coach and Nikoski sticking around as a development coach as well. Van Berlo's gone. Matt Rose is gone. Chance Bateman is also gone. A bit of a reshuffle. Yeah, um, Van Berlo seemed like a bit of a loss. Um, I was sort of waiting to see who they signed to replace him, and it turned out to be no one, really. So, um, yeah, Kyle Horsley comes on as a development coach, but I think he's the only new face. So the remaining guys are going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting, I think. Um, We've already seen Daniel Pratt. Uh, pulling two paychecks as uh, coach of the Beagles as well as coach of the uh, the AFLW side, um, and I think that's indicative of the extra duties that um, that that coaching panel is going to have to do. So, big ask on them. Yeah, it would have been nice to get sort of the next Sam Mitchell sort of figure in to coach the midfield, uh, bright young thing, but pretty difficult to entice someone, particularly if, if the um, the best talents not from WA and doesn't want to come over here. So. We've got the guys from within. Um, Adrian Hickmont's pretty well regarded, so him taking over the midfield tick for that. And yeah, we've got some se- uh, senior sort of assistant coaches in Graham and Webster. They've both been around for a while, so a settled sort of group around uh, around Simo, but a greatly reduced one. Keys moving away from the on-field stuff to a staff change, and this was a very big headline grabber. This one, Darren Glass has stepped down as the list manager. Having served in the role for only one season, he's moving outside of football and he's been replaced by Rowan O'Brien, who's been with the club for a very long time as the head recruiter. What did you make of that little situation? Yeah, Glass leaving was, that was a real surprise. From the outside looking in, seemed like he was doing quite a good job. Seemed like I was quite happy. You know, he moved into commerce. All due respect to the water company he's gone to, it doesn't look like he's gone to a particularly high-flying corporate position that's a company that does water in Wangara or Malaga or somewhere. So it was a curious one. 
I assume because of dollar cutbacks or something. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't. That was sort of the you know it was different opportunities. So it's hard to know what was said behind closed doors. If there's anything more to it than than a better financial thing for him, I don't don't know. Yeah, really weird. That sort of came out of nowhere. Rowan O'Brien replacing him probably makes sense. If money was the reason you weren't going to get someone to come in, if you're not offering them great money, O'Brien's there. I have heard someone, someone like Lockie Reed or one of the guys sort of saying, Vozzo's quite a hands-on football manager, so he does have a fair bit of involvement in the list management space. So That was um, his original job as well, I think, when, yeah, when he joined us. Yeah. yeah, so I think Brian's... I think O'Brien's probably a placeholder for a year or two until COVID settles down and football department cap spending goes back on. And while I'm sort of jumping a little bit here, but because I mentioned Vozo, Vozo was a name bandied around very much and I think Adelaide were chasing him or at least talking to him about filling their CEO role. We've managed to ward that off because they've gone with someone else. I suspect that Vozo is the heir apparent to Nisbet as CEO, and I think that might be a year or two away. At that point, we can perhaps then look at bringing someone else as a as a football manager in over the top of O'Brien. So I think it's just a, we had someone there that knows the club, got involved in recruiting and things like that. So I thought, well, that's a, a nice little fit given the financial constraints that we have. Miguel, you mentioned Daniel Pratt there earlier. He has taken over from uh, Luke Dwyer, uni footy legend Luke Dwyer. G'day, Lukey, if you're listening, uh, as the head coach of the AFLW side. So Daniel Pratt at the helm now. He's led the girls to a victory and and a a bit of an improved season. The effort's right up, and they're they're really taking it to some pretty good clubs, certainly in the first half or first three quarters, not really putting full games together just yet, but they did snag a victory against the Gold Coast. Uh, We've also seen a bit of a reshuffle at the AFLW level. Adam Selwood has stepped down as the head of female football. Michelle Cowan has moved into a sort of expanded role, seems to be an off-field role, but might well have taken on some duties there. And Ryan Turnbull has also jumped in with the AFLW forwards. A few fixtures have just come through. This is uh, this is red-hot news, and they are taking on some pretty average sides for the remainder of the season. So the AFLW uh, program could be in line for a few more wins as they face Geelong, Richmond, and St Kilda in the coming weeks. Miguel, all in all, the women's program its second season. A few new faces uh, from a staff point of view and, of course, on field as well. What have you made of all of the changes? Yeah, um, as you said, had their first win of the season um, on the weekend, which was great atmosphere down at Lath Lane. And uh, you and I were both there, although we didn't know that until afterwards. <laughs> I didn't know that the other one was there. Um, yeah, they're... They're still building. Um, be a slow process. Uh, seen across the league that it's difficult to come in uh, as an expansion side. The way that the the league's expanded quite rapidly and it really diluted the talent pool, so that the original clubs sort of uh, get to dominate it. Yeah, as uh, fans, we've just got to be patient, which we're not really uh, used to have to have to do as a fan base. But yeah, look, they're definitely building. You can uh, you can see the improvement already over last year. And yeah, that those fixtures that have come out, and we get to play the uh, probably the three weakest Victorian sides. I think, assuming they stay the way they are, and they rely on a bit on uh, borders being relaxed because all the games are against Victorian sides. Um, but yeah, if they stay the way they are, then uh, hopefully we get some more wins coming. Good signs from the AFLW side, but 
uh, we just need to try and learn to be patient. A bit more off-field news. The Eagles have changed their club kit provider for the third time in club history. They had ISC for a couple of years. They've moved on to Castore or, or Castor or however I'm saying this. I forgot what we agreed on before. But uh, anyway, it's a British brand. They've got a three-season deal with the Eagles. They work with Melbourne Storm, with the Sydney Roosters. They've worked with Rangers uh, in the Scottish Premier League, and there's a few rumours of them joining the English Premier League in the coming seasons as well. So jumper looks pretty much the same. It's the Royal Wings. It's the uh, it's the Gold Wings away as well, but a few little subtle tweaks that you'll see when they run out uh, in a couple of weeks. And another change around the league. We've got some rule changes, guys. Now, these are always popular. They never get them wrong. Let's dive into them because it's an absolute shocker that's the talk of the town already. First of all, Footy's back to 20-minute quarters. I think that's good for most of our guys, but not ideal for Nick Matt, so we'll have to see how they manage that. Uh, a few little tweaks around where players have to stand on the mark, and the interchanges have been capped at 75, which is down from 90. Key's the big one, and the one we'll dissect now. The standing the mark rule. Now, this has been major talking point all off-season, and the rule basically seems to be that if you are standing on the mark, you cannot move, you cannot take a step to your left or your right, you can't bloody move your head or your arms, or you're going to be walked back for 50 metres. It's a very harsh interpretation in the off-season. What have you made of it? Because uh, for me, this seems like something that could really get out of hand and, and really uh, take the, the spotlight away from a couple of games. It's going to be one that fans are going to just hate. It's going. You're going to have instances during the year where... A guy will move a metre and the umpire is going to miss it. And then 20 seconds later, they're going to get it because a guy moves an inch. It's, I think it's incredibly onerous on the umpires. I heard an umpire talking about it just a day or two ago and explaining how they now need to be watching the player with the ball, watching for him to be moving off his line so they can pull play on. But then at the same time, also watching the guy doesn't move off his mark and also watching players not moving into that five-metre restricted zone. That's a hell of a lot of stuff to be trying to watch when the game, when it's flowing and it's moving really fast, there's a lot of stuff that you just can't expect an umpire to be picking up on. And, and by the way, if they're taking a shot, we've got a shot clock now. We've got, you can't drain down the shot clock. You've actually got to be sort of having a genuine kicking motion. Like, there's too much to ask these guys to do. And, and, and it's, it's just... I mean, people weren't happy with the five-metre exclusion. I mean, that was that was bad enough, and now you're just making it incrementally worse. You know, you, you, there was the, sh- the footage of the Derby scratch match where I think it was Brendan Cox sort of threw his hands up, took a step back to grab a breath, and the umpire said, well, you move, so that's 50 metres, which was just stupid. There was footage of, I think, Joe Danner having a shot for goal that ran on a buddy-type arc, and the guy on the mark couldn't move. So it meant that, basically, he could he didn't have to kick over the man on the mark. So he got two or three metres closer than what he ordinarily would have because the guy can't move. It's a f***ed up, f***ed head rule from a f***ed head called Stephen Hawking who is a plant from the rugby league to ruin our game. <laughs> he just needs to f*** right off. <laughs> But apart, a bit of it, there for you. apart from that, what's he's it right. actually solving as well? Like, what, why is it being brought in? It doesn't help anything. What was the problem with players sort of moving side to side as 
as the play with the ball. East no, West was it, a was it, a great thing for the umpires a, to say as well. I used to love hearing him yeah. say East West. Does it, it? It solves nothing. It's tinkering for tinkering's no. sake. I, I think that's. I think in, at the end of the day, that's the worst thing with the rule. It's supposedly solved a problem that didn't really exist, and just creates a whole bunch of other ones. And you know, rules get brought in, and you sort of you know people turn around and you know. All people like me turn around, so leave the game alone and things like that. But there's always someone turns around, so well this could be all right and, and and things like this. It's really hard to find someone saying this rule's a good idea. It it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if the AFL had any sense of what fans want for the game, they'd be scrapping this. It it just I don't see a need for it. I don't see how it's going to help. You know, maybe see how it goes over these um, pre-season games, but they've really got to monitor it and maybe rethink it between before round one and go, you know what, maybe we should reconsider this for a little bit first before we actually make it a, a proper rule. It's it's stupid. I don't Zero know that chance. they will. Yeah, I don't Zero think they will. Zero chance of that happening. They've, I doubt they will because they, they should, but they won't. No, they're putting out videos today with Hocking and uh, I think it was Stevich, one of the umpires, umpires explaining what it is, why it's going to, or not why, actually, they never said why, how it's going to be adjudicated. So I think they're already in PR mode because they know everybody hates it. Miguel. Just quickly, the, the thing that stood out for me, that one of that I mentioned in the Derby with Cox, the absolute worst thing about that decision was the AFL came out in the week following saying that was a correct interpretation from the umpire, as if that somehow made it all right. I mean, everyone who saw it knew that as the rule stood, it was 50 metres. That's the problem. Yeah. The umpire made the correct decision, and it was stupid. So that's the rub of it. It's like, yeah, the, the umpires interpreted it correctly, and it's still frigging dumb. And coming out and saying, yeah, he did it correctly – doesn't get rid of any of the angst from fans. All it does is compound it. No, nah, shocking rule, shocking look. Miguel, I think we're both in agreement. They're probably not going to scrap it anytime soon. Now, with that, if you're on the mark, obviously somebody's had to have taken a mark. The Eagles take a lot of marks. We were second last year, third the previous year. We were first in 2018. We're the only club that is consistently in the top three for marks. So I suppose, technically, there's more opportunity for this to help us than not. I'm not suggesting you'd still be in favour of it, but... Do you see a scenario where we can even almost benefit from this horrible, horrible rule? Yeah, that might be a, a very slight silver lining to a very shit black cloud. I'm, I'm with Keys. I hate it. Um, if we can benefit benefit from it, fine. St Kilda, I think, got a few headlines uh, during the week for saying that they were the best at. Well, the, the uh, commentator said they were the best at adapting to it by. I think having someone stand just outside the five metre protected zone and, and sort of use that as a as a tactic. But there's so um, many of those. What if the guy jumps jumping on the mark? Is that yeah. not allowed? What if you set up a metre behind the mark? There's so many grey areas. Who's in or four point nine metres, who's judging that and what if no yeah, one's on the mark? Uh, you know? Who who do you yeah. who do you ping then? Ah oh, well, good on St Kilda. I haven't won a flag for a yeah. while, but I'm I'm happy they're the best at manning the mark. Well, I think every having if that is true and that's a tactic that works, then everyone will start copying it. So they won't have much of an advantage there. But it's yeah, it's just a terrible rule. If we can, it, it'll hang around for at least this year because the AFL won't admit that they've made a mistake. So if we can benefit from it because of our high mark numbers and uh, we can adapt and use that, then great. That's for our benefit, but. Yeah, I'm with keys. I absolutely hate it as a rule. I don't see the point of it, and yeah, I'll just I'll try not to swear as much as keys about it. But it is <laughs> it is terrible. 
So, guys, before we finish up today, we've gone through the list changes, the staff changes, the rule changes, and everything that's new and, uh, and revamped as the Eagles head into season 2021. Before we wrap up today, we'll go around the table. Keys, your general vibe coming out of the off-season. It can be a thumbs-up, thumbs-down. It can be a, a where are we at. It can be a rating, whatever you want. Sitting here today with uh, round one just uh, creeping up a few weeks from now, how do you think we handled everything over the last couple of months? I think in terms of personnel changes and things like that, I think we've probably done about as well as we could. It's a difficult time for all clubs. So I think on that bit, we've done as well as we could. Our pre-seasons to date left me fairly flat. You know, it's been a, a late start. Then we've had guys coming back from Victoria that could join the, the group straight away because they had to quarantine. Then we had a shutdown for a week. So in a, in a pre-season that was already shorter, we've actually had it truncated even further due to reasons that other than the Fremantle, other clubs haven't quite had to deal with. Yeah, there's, there's been a few niggles around the group with injuries. There's been there's ongoing concerns with Yo. We had a pretty disappointing outing against Fremantle in the scratch match. So, yeah, there's some sort of lingering concerns about how we're how we're travelling. Hopefully, that doesn't translate into an indifferent season. Now, we look back to 2018, and I think the pre-season leading into 2018 wasn't all beer and skittles either and we surprised everybody so here's here's to that yeah we're never really um never really flying in the pre-season you know even past years where we've won the flag or played in the grand final we've uh, we've never really done well in the the wizard cup or the Ansett cup or or whatever so difficult to gauge off our pre-seasons um the injury list i think this year is a bit longer at this stage of the year than we'd all like um but uh, apart from uh, Rioli and Venables, obviously, um, Elliot Yo's the only real concern on there. The others are just, they seem to be sort of niggles. Just in terms of where we're going this year, I think the, the commentary from guys like uh, former Premiership defender Will Schofield in the media uh, and guys like that uh, is that we should be aiming for a flag this year. And I think that's right. It's pretty much definitely Kennedy and Hearns last year. Uh, Nick Nat is, I think, over 30. We've got a relatively old settled list. We gave away a lot for Kelly uh, a year ago in the belief that he'd be the missing piece of the puzzle, uh, and we need to get a return on that. And it's not now or never this year, but it's it's certainly a very good chance for us. And I'm probably in the same position I was last year, that we should be aiming to get top four and get into a prelim. And uh, once you get there, then it's a bit of a lottery as to as to who comes out of it. Really, this year, I'm just looking forward to a little bit of uh, normalcy. Hopefully, we go back to um, something approaching sort of normal fixtures and, and normal games and normal crowds and yeah, just put the, the, uh, the weirdness of 2020 behind us. Right, that will do it from us this week. Miguel Keys, thank you very much for coming back on. Uh, it's been a long off season, and it's uh, it's been a pod that we've really taken our time with and, and dove into it all. But uh, definitely worth it because footy is on the horizon. The men's comp is back. The women are in line for a couple more wins as well with their new schedule. Uh, it's exciting times to be an Eagles fan, and it's exciting times to uh, to have you guys on the pod. So thank you both very much for coming on. Yeah, no worries. We could have um, 
we could have probably done an entire separate episode on on Willie and another separate episode on the AFLW and uh, another probably X-rated episode on the rule changes. <laughs> but... The big footy pod after dark. Yeah. No, that's good. We'll do another episode on the block as well when that comes back around. We'll uh, we'll get you on for our watch along, Miguel, lifelong fan. Good married at first sight as well. We can get some of that in. Excellent. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Stay tuned to the feed. You'll uh, you'll see all sorts of stuff now coming up. No, thank you very much, guys, for uh, for listening as well and, and for coming back to the pod this year. As I said, if you're new to the pod, give us a, a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. We're on Twitter, at WCEBFpod. We're on Facebook. Search for us anywhere and uh, and we'll uh, we'll show up. We'll, uh, we'll say g'day and we're happy to have you along for the ride. Until next week, guys, we'll do a deep dive into the preseason form, injuries, a bit of a round one preview, and really get stuck into looking towards the season proper next week. And until then, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Yeah. Cheers, Bye. guys. I'm going to find some clouds to yell at. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.